Welcome to the Bourbon Hunters Podcast. I want to start by wishing everyone a happy new year. Hopefully everyone had a great time with some great bourbons. We have a lot of great episodes lined up and scheduled for 2020, including some trips to distilleries, some interviews with some local distillers, and we are also lining up a barrel pick later this year where we will also provide our feedback and review of the experience. Tyler isn't able to join us for this episode since he has had a pretty busy schedule with a new promotion at work, but he will be getting back into the recordings here shortly. However, today we have a special guest visiting the studio from the Dayton, Ohio area. Mo Dingo, a.k.a. DJ Dingo, a recently retired veteran of the Air Force, a lover of bourbon, and a friend that has had done some webcasting and broadcasting with me at some of the events that we have hosted throughout the last few years. Welcome, Mo. I didn't get a chance to do a lot of prep work on this one just because um, I was doing the... Uh, doing real work? Doing <laughs> yeah. real on your, work. Yeah. On your other hustle? On my other hustle. Yeah. I like that. So what I think we, we're just What are we talking about? Kind of wing it first, but I wanted to use this chance to let you talk about one more rep. I mm-hmm. also wanted... If you, I know you do a DJ podcast as well. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to let you talk about both of those, um, but mostly just... Shoot bourbon, the shit. whiskey, shoot oh, course, the shit. Of course, yeah. Yeah. I, I want it to be about bourbon, but at the same time, I like stories. Yeah. You know, and I think that's generally what gets people coming back. Um, do you ever listen to any uh, yeah. bourbon podcasts? Oh, no. Yours is the only one I've ever listened to. <laughs> awesome. So, so so you're the, the benchmark. The, the, the bar has been <laughs> set low. I like it. Um, no, I, I listen to Dad's Drinking Bourbon and The Bourbon Road. Mm-hmm. Um, Dad's Drinking Bourbon, I swear the guy in it, uh, it's not him, but he sounds just like, have you ever seen Office Christmas Party? With yeah. Him? So Jennifer Aniston's brother in that movie. The one that's running around the Christmas suit or the yeah, Santa suit all the, the time. Santa suit, yeah. yeah, he sounds just like him. Okay. So when the I bartender listen- from uh, what the hell's a uh, Deadpool? Deadpool, yeah, yeah, exactly. So when I hear him, all I can do is envision him in my head. It's <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, and then the other thing uh, I listen to is called the Bourbon Road. Okay. And it's a it's a good podcast as well, but it's basically. Just uh, two guys that go around the entire, you know, Louisville area, Kentucky area doing interviews and they'll just talk about stuff and they do, you know, review bourbon and and drink bourbon as well. Mm. But it's a little more mellow. Mm. They're both very bass, you know, filled voices and it's almost like something you want to listen to at the end of the evening to kind of come down. Okay. But uh, like a smooth jazz station. Yeah. Yeah. K Y O T. I feel like smooth <laughs> jazz. <laughs> the sounds of the rain. <laughs> so I think you would fit in well with those guys with your voice. Um, you've got one of the best voices I've with, ever heard. With my so. buttery voice, as, as you as you coined it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. We'll do a taste and then we'll move on. Yeah. <laughs> That's the uh, that Martell Swift, that Blue Swift. Oh, that's what this is here? Yeah. So what is, that's a cognac, right? Uh, Cognac? Cognac? How do you say it? Cognac. Cognac. And that's, uh, what is that, brandy? Yes. That's finished in bourbon barrels? This one in particular, yeah, Martell. It's a Martell blue for cognac, but they finish it in bourbon barrels. So we went off and actually was listening to the podcast. Go figure. <laughs> um, that one 
was about uh, the beef between Biggie and Tupac. Are we recording? Did you yeah. hit on? Yeah, I didn't know if you unpaused. Okay. Yeah, it's the. It kind of goes over the history of the beef between Biggie and Tupac. Okay. And one of their sponsors is Martell, and they kept talking about this Martell Blue Swift, you know, finished in bourbon barrels. And I was like, I'm gonna try some of that if I ever find it. Yeah. Went looking for it, and it's actually um, I'm not a big cognac fan. Okay. About the only cognac that I'll drink is um Hennessy White. Which I don't is, know that I've ever had cognac, so. Well, this will be my first okay. foray into it. Now, if you were to guess and you had to taste bourbon and cognac, which would you do first? Like, I would assume the cognac's probably oh, sweeter, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, for what so we're we would doing. Do that there. last, I would think. Just to. Yeah. Okay. Fin- yeah, finish it off. Okay. Cool. Finish so off our taste. Kind of a dessert bourbon, is that? There you go. Or a dessert uh, cognac. Yeah, dessert spirit. Yeah. A, a, so is uh, it con aperitif. or cone? Con? Cognac, cone, I cognac? believe. Cone. Yeah. I mean, I do have a. It's uh, French. We should ask Martel. We should. Yeah, friend of the show. Yeah, who apparently peed in this version <laughs> of the uh, cognac, cognac. So, all right. Um, what I generally like to do, as I mentioned, is I, I like to kind of start with something. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll pour it. We'll kind of just talk about it a little bit. Then we'll get into the show, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll kind of do another pour get into the show and then in your case you brought a uh, potentially a third one yes i did is that a fourth one over there or is that the same thing this is different from oh okay what's, yeah. so so we might want to choose here we've got wilderness trail small batch bottled and bond Ooh. bourbon we've got um smooth ambler okay well wait level. a minute both those bottles are identical and not labeled how do you know because i put wt on the top of the ah, damn it for wilderness trail <laughs> So you're supposed to tell me some secret, like you bourbon master, like well, you can tell I by this one up. This one's slightly <laughs> shaded different, more of an amber versus. I'm not a, quite there yet, but I feel like they're very similar. This one might be a touch darker, uh, just a shade. Yeah, but uh, the Wilderness Trail. Yeah. So uh, what's really cool about Wilderness Trail to me is it just came in recently. Um, it's a newer entry into Ohio. Mm. Oh, um, okay. And I just, so I made the list. Yeah, and I just, uh, it was the day Ohio State lost to Clemson, which I don't want to get into. <laughs> I went to Kroger just to see what they had, and their drop days. Drown your sorrows. And yeah, the... well, it was before the game. It was what I was okay. going to drink during the game. And they just happened to have it sitting out. And I had heard a lot of things about it recently from different podcasts that I listened to. Mm-hmm. And it surprised me that it was there. I grabbed it immediately, went home, looked, and saw that it is actually uh, a new entry into Ohio. Um, so I picked it up, and I, I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently what it is is uh, it's a rye-based bourbon. So it's 24% rye. Um, it's not a rye whiskey, but a rye bourbon. Um, so it does have, you know, over the 50%. Wait, but but then we're going to still have some people, <laughs> some purists out there. You well, know, if it's got rye in it. Well, I mean, honestly, I mean, most bourbons have rye. Mm. I mean, it's just what, it's what percentage, what percentage yeah. right? I mean, so you've got your, you know, makers and different things that are, uh, you know, weeded bourbons. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I think the Smooth Ambler is actually a weeded bourbon. Uh, so if we're going to do these two, I would say we probably should do the Wilderness Trail first. Okay. Uh, it'll probably have a little bit of a spicier note to it just because of the rye. Yeah. Now, um, now I'm assuming that most of the people that follow your show are bourbon drinkers, but perhaps, maybe. you know, I might maybe. drag a few non-bourbon drinkers over. So before we get too deep into it, like, let's talk about the difference between bourbon and whiskey. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, basically all bourbon is whiskey. Yeah. 
but, but not, not all whiskey, whiskey is bourbon. bourbon. So the difference is there's there's a lot of different things, um, and I can't I don't have them all memorized. But the biggest there's thing, a couple key characteristics. Yeah, one of the key characteristics is that you can have a whiskey made from grain, mm-hmm. um, but bourbon has to be fifty one percent corn or mm-hmm. more. Um, now, what's in it after that? It has to be grain. So sometimes it's rye, sometimes it's wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, there's almost always malted barley that helps with the um, uh, turning the stuff into alcohol. Mm-hmm. What's that called? The fermentation yes, process. Yes, thank you. Fermentation. So that kind of kickstarts the uh, fermentation process, the uh, malted barley. But generally speaking, you know, you might have a bourbon that has, you know, just fifty-one percent corn. It might mm-hmm. be eighty-five percent corn. Um, you know, so it, it just really depends on the the company, and and a lot of companies will tell you their mash bill, uh, because they have other things that go into it, mm-hmm. like you know how they store their bourbon, how they rotate their bourbon, like Maker's Mark, they just rotate all their bourbons around the rick the rickhouse throughout the entire you know the life cycle, yeah, yeah, so that they're trying to get all of them to be as similar as possible, as consistent, yeah, yeah, and then they'll have Maker's Mark uh, forty six, which then they take and finish with staves. Uh, like cut up staves that go into the barrel to give it more of the wood to give it yeah more taste. of a finish okay. and you, and so there's I I don't remember if it's forty six different uh, staves that they choose from and that's mm. where the number forty six comes okay. from but I think that's what it is that would make sense but so so there's a lot of things and you've got purists out there and say that's where bourbon stops mm-hmm. but then you have places like Angels Envy that does finished bourbon mm-hmm. so it's bourbon but then they take it and finish it in like another a sherry barrel. casket yeah or in, a, in a cask or, or something ca- so not casket that would be horrible that would be weird <laughs> <laughs> so might add a little bit of a different this is some flavor. whiskey finished in Uncle Earl <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Earl's finished bourbon so but yeah. there, now there are some I guess uh wives tales or uh myths about bourbon and one of them that I heard early on was that only bourbon comes from Kentucky. No. So I mean that is uh I think it's like 96% of the world's bourbon comes from Kentucky, mm-hmm. but to be bourbon it has to fit all those other things but it, it has to be made in the United States. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be from Kentucky. And that's actually written into the law. The yeah, law. That's yeah. actually part of the law, yeah. yeah. Um which I didn't know that until I went on a um bourbon trail tour. Mm-hmm. I went to uh Alltech Okay. And they make, um, crap, I can't think of who it is right now. But, uh, yeah, they actually uh, told me that. And that was specifically so that other countries could not produce, quote, bourbon. Right. So you've got your whiskeys that are, you've got some other whiskeys that are made similar to bourbon. So you'll mm-hmm. have, you know, Canadian whiskeys and different things like that. Irish whiskeys, Scotch whiskeys, all those. And they're all whiskeys, but I, I think they all prefer to have their own identity anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so it's, it's traditionally an American spirit yeah. and it's one of the things that, uh, I think a lot of Americans that are into spirits hang their hat on that that's yeah. a, you know, one it's, of the, it's a, it's an American thing. Yeah, definitely. And then one of the other pieces, it has to be aged at least three years. No, actually it doesn't have to be aged, but two seconds technically okay. to be bourbon. Okay. Now to be a straight bourbon, I think it has to be aged two years. Uh, to be a bottled and bond, it has to be at least four years in a federally, okay, uh, yeah. you know, watched Licensed, or guarded yeah. or whatever uh, rickhouse. Um, and that uh, that bottled and bonded uh, piece can actually 
for a vintage or rare bottle of alcohol can actually add to the value if you're a collector. Yeah, so the, the thing the Bottle and Bond did was it added a, uh, it was almost like a protection of the consumer. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of reading this book right now. It's called uh, Bourbon Justice, and uh, it's a really cool book. It talks about the way that bourbon um, affected and helped shape the judicial the system well, in the United yeah, States. Okay. So it's all based around judicial stuff. Okay. Um, and so everything in there it talks about, you know, uh, uh, consumer protection and, and brand names. And and with bourbon, if you know the history of it, it's, it's pretty crazy. There are so many people that went in and they became a master distiller at a place. They named a bourbon after that person. Mm-hmm. And then that person left, started they their own distillery. Out, yeah. And then they tried to use that name that they started at the other place. Yeah. And then, of course, the distillery they used to work at would then sue yeah, them. Yeah, because you get them some brand confusion. Right. Yeah. And so, and there were places that would do that, too. They would take a name, make it sound almost exactly the same with a very similar logo. Mm-hmm. And they would... Uh, kind of like with the cereal with Kellogg's and Post, like back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So... Um, the whole name brand name that mm-hmm. came from, from all this. as well okay. because they had to brand the top of their uh, barrels oh. with what was in it. And so when before bottling was actually a big thing, they would take those um, barrels, put them up on the bar with the brand facing out. Oh, and so then people wow. would come in and say, oh, you know, I want some of that old crow up there. Okay. And so they would pour it directly out of the barrel. But um, Does, I wonder if uh, this is where the intellectual property theft comes from, too. Yeah, I think... Because with you saying, like, one distiller leaving one place and going to another and trying to resell, quote, his name or her name. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that is, you know, driven by bourbon, but but it's crazy to see all the stuff that... that, legislation and, um, you know, just different uh, judicial things in this country that have derived from from alcohol or bourbon specifically, specifically, but even, yeah, alcohol too. Um, Like even things like Maker's Mark, you know, they have a copyright or a patent or whatever you want to call it, trademark Mm -hmm. on their red wax, the the fact that it can drip down the bottle. Hmm. And no one else is allowed to do that technically. There was a tequila company that they sued and got told that they couldn't use red that. wax. Well, it was red wax and they allowed it to drip down. And they're like, well, we're tequila. We're not bourbon. No one's getting these confused. Uh-huh. But they were still given, you know, some sort of a settlement against them or something. Oh, they actually. Or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So they weren't allowed to do that anymore. But Interesting. Pretty crazy stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, What's that book again? It's called Bourbon Justice. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's a really neat book. And what's really cool about it is in the middle of it, or throughout it, I should say, it'll tell a, a case, it'll talk about something, and then it'll give tasting notes on some, <laughs> on some you know, bourbon, um, which is pretty cool. So, Yeah, that um, was probably the most interesting courses I took when getting my degree were the, the legal. I, I took like two courses in law. Yeah, me too. Uh, I took but, a whole bunch. But yeah. basically relating to medical things. That's my profession by trade. But um, that those are the classes where I had the most fun. And then I was really upset when my advisor told me I couldn't take any more legal classes because <laughs> it wasn't pointing towards my degree. That's funny. Yeah, I got a minor in consumer and business law hmm. for the non-lawyer. That was the end of it. <laughs> I never say that part when I tell people, oh, yeah, I've got a minor in consumer and business law. For the non-lawyer. For the non-lawyer. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting to me too and the way that they this book pulls the history and the legal together mm-hmm. and kind of um, ties it all to the bourbon. It's kind of neat. So, um, but it's, I didn't know if I was going to read it mm-hmm. or, and then once I did, I didn't know if I was going to enjoy it because I thought it might be dry, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty good book. It's well-written. So I've enjoyed it. So we should probably start the show. Yeah. We should probably start uh, <laughs> drinking some bourbon. 
So I've got Wilderness Trail trail here. As I mentioned, this one's uh, 24% rye. It's 110 proof, mm-hmm. uh, which means 55% alcohol. Um, let's see here. Smells yeah. sweet. I, I enjoy it. It yeah. is. It does have some sweetness to it, but I think you'll find some spiciness to it. One of the really cool things I saw on one of the tours I did is they told you to hold it up to your nose and breathe through your mouth. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like wine where it's a little bit higher alcohol content, so it'll burn kind of the, uh, I don't know what the sense is, but the, the olfactory. S- yeah, the olfactory sense, I guess. And, and it'll keep you from really truly getting all the taste and appreciating the nose on yeah. it. So. A little warm. Yeah. It is just a little, but that's yeah. probably a little bit. It's twenty four percent rye, so yeah. you're going to have a little bit of that to it. Um, the finish, I like it because it burns a little, but it's not too long. It doesn't mm, stay too yeah. long with you. It doesn't linger, right? So I, I think that for me is, I'm not a big fan of a bourbon that I can take a sip of, and I can walk around for ten minutes and I still <laughs> you feel still it taste in it. My chest. <laughs> yeah, and it's the taste is fine, but if it's still in my chest ten minutes later, and it's then, still burning. I don't know. And and I'm sure there are plenty of people that are the opposite, that they love it. They call it that Kentucky hug, you know? Mm. And I just, I, that doesn't do anything for me. Well, if I'm so. out snowboarding or something, yeah, I, I truly sure, value that. I can see but, that. Yeah. but if I'm at home just uh, hanging out, watching the game or whatever, playing some video games, probably not so much. Yeah. Well, you'll hear uh, a lot of people will say that when it gets wintertime, they drink their bourbon more neat then than in the summer. In the summer, they might add some like water and just a, like yeah. an ice cube or something to kind of make it a little more. Uh, you know, uh, refreshing, I guess, if you will. Do you have a, dro- a dropper? I don't, no. I feel like if you just put a little bit of I'm water sure in this. I'm sure it would probably open up yeah, uh, tremendously. Make it breathe a little bit. I um, So I've been forcing myself over the last six months or so to drink everything neat. Uh-huh. And uh, well, my, to try to my expand wife, my palate. Mel, Mel, she's like that. Everything neat. No ice, nothing. Yeah. Just she's she's gangster like that. You know, she's a, she's a farm girl from the Midwest, so you know, that's how they roll. But it's, uh, it's I've really learn to try and appreciate that more. Um, I mean, I'm never, I'm not much of it. When it comes to bourbon, scotches, all that stuff, I don't mix it with anything. You know, yeah. straight shooter with that. But I'll, I'll like to put an ice cube in there or a stone or just a couple drops of water just to let it breathe. But well, And did you know where On the Rocks came from? No, I do not. Now, I don't know if this is an urban legend, but one of our tour guides, I think his uh, Logan Haynes at mm-hmm. Buffalo Trace said that... Shout uh, out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was probably my favorite tour guide we've had. Mm-hmm. Had a whole bunch of these little factoids, whether or not they're true or just, you know, urban legend type yeah, things. Yeah, it sounded uh, good. He said that back in the day, they would have like a stream, you know, flowing behind their bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, to cool, because they didn't have ice, yeah. to cool their drinks down, they would go out and they would have rocks that they had chipped up. Mm-hmm. And they would let them sit out in the like stream. Like granite? Whatever, I don't know. Probably just something that was local to the area. Well, they're probably limestone. Yeah, maybe. But it would sit there and and just sit in the stream. Just get nice and cold. And then they would take it out of the stream, put it in in the drink. drink. And so that's where, like, whiskey stones and stuff, it's Uh it's more... I think similar to probably what you would have had back in the day huh. before ice, but interesting. Yeah, so that's where all, all this the stuff that makes from. sense once you hear about it, if whether it's true. it's true or not. But <laughs> if it, it's true, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wonder if it actually evolved, became something, and then someone just came up with an idea. We came up with that story, right, yeah, to make up for it. Yeah, 
you do you use stones or do you? I don't do anything right now, just but I'm probably going to start the bottle? do yeah. stones. And I've heard that if you want to use stones, don't put them in the freezer, put them in the fridge. Okay. That way they don't cool down the bourbon too fast because if okay. you cool it down too fast, and again, I don't know that my palate is this refined. Yeah, because you've talked about that before on the show. Yeah, is that we need to get Trina to start drinking well, I, bourbon. So that's a great story. So <laughs> Trina's my wife. If you're listening and, and you don't know who I am, yeah, a double ganger for Sam Briggs. If you're into CrossFit, <laughs> she does look similar to her. <laughs> First time I saw her, I was like, she looks just like Sam Briggs. I showed that to her, and she's like, I could see where that could be. Yeah, a, you know, it's both. funny because I've met both of the, yeah. I've met your wife and I've met Sam Briggs, and they're both about the same. Height and build posture and, and build yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's gotten pretty strong since she's been into CrossFit. So. Yeah, Trina, that is. Um, <laughs> Sam, not so much. She's not very strong. But uh, no, Trina's crazy with her palate. Like, if you ever watch the show Psych, they uh, the super sniffer. Yeah, Gus, yeah, Gus has a super sniffer, and we always joke about hers because she can just pick stuff up, and you're just like, "Where are you getting that mm-hmm. from?" But so now that I've been drinking my bourbons neat, every time I pour one, I, I give it to her first. She'll smell it, take a quick she, sip Like of some it. advanced scouting. Yeah. yeah. But like, I think she's interested in it. I don't, she's not a bourbon person. She's she drinks a vodka drinker, vodka right? on ice with no water, nothing yeah. else, just vodka on ice. She'll add some water every once in a while, but like, Which, that's I, gangster. Yeah. I never thought about the different notes that, uh, of vodka until I was listening to your show. And you were talking about Trina just, oh, yeah, I, I can take it's charcoal filtered, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I've maybe I just drink shitty vodka. I don't know. But well, she's but, but, but it makes me want to try yeah. and, you know, seek some of that out now. Well, what's funny is vodka is not really known for its flavor. I mean, that's really kind of the point of it is it is you're not really going for vodka for the flavor. You're going, you know, the just Russians just did it to just stay warm. Stay warm <laughs> you know, <laughs> but. Uh, and I think, what, potatoes is where it first started. So that's I believe probably, so. That was yeah. the crop they could grow there. So that's probably another reason, just like bourbon was yeah. because of all the excess corn. Yeah. But what's interesting is we did Wheatley's vodka down at Buffalo Trace, and that's been distilled 10 times. Mm-hmm. So it's like a mixture of corn and wheat. And um, Interesting. So they've distilled the wheat five times and the corn five times. They marry them together, then distill it another five times. Mm-hmm. And it's Wheatley vodka, and it's I, I could drink it straight. Mm. Uh, it was the only vodka I've ever had that I could drink straight. I'll have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, it surprised me. It is just, it a good place to start? Is that something she would recommend? Or It's good. Okay. It's really good, and it's not expensive. And it's available in Ohio as of now. And vodka, that, like that's something I, I do normally mix. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would too. Like if I had vodka, I would... Mix it with a drink, like a yeah. cranberry or a, a juice or something. Mm-hmm. But that's because it doesn't have a lot of flavor. You're not mm-hmm. really, I feel like you're not really losing degrading anything. anything or taking away from anything when you do it like you would with bourbon. Yeah. And, I mean, to be honest, I, that's how I came to bourbon. Is It was a mixer for me. I never used <sighs> to drink it straight, ever. I don't think I ever really sought out bourbon. It was more just whiskey, you yeah. know, like Jack, Johnny, Jim. That's um, how I think all, everyone gets started, I think, and unless you're from Kentucky. You yeah, know. and my first foray, I think, into bourbon was Maker's. I think um, that's a lot of people's, too. That's, like, like it seems like the gateway. Like of Jim and, and yeah. Jack and all that stuff, yeah. It seems to be like the gateway, and um, and I remember the reason I got it, because a buddy of mine had a bottle, and I liked the bottle. Yeah. And so I was initially intrigued by the... It's catchy. The yeah, wax, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I, it makes perfect sense why they would trademark it. It looks classy, doesn't it? It does look classy, <laughs> yeah. So I believe that was the first thing that I ever really made me pay attention to, quote, bourbon. Yeah. And, you know, I started, you know, obviously I bought it and I was mixing it with Coke, which looking back on it, I want to smack myself. Yeah, but you know what? If I, you I didn't hadn't know. at the time, you might yeah. not be into bourbon today. True. And, so. I, and I think the next bourbon after that I tried was Buffalo Trace. Oh. Um, 
So well, you went from a weeded to a rye bourbon. Yeah. So, so Makers is a weeded bourbon, and it's they're known. And, and what's funny is when you listen to these shows and when you listen to people talk and review bourbon, they don't like to use the word smooth. It's, it's like a bad word. Yeah. So now, like, balanced is the word that's come out <laughs> since then. Oh, it's balanced, you know? Like, whatever. You're saying smooth just in a, a yeah. synonym. You looked in a thesaurus. That's all you did. <laughs> but at the same time, what's really neat about Maker's Mark is they don't hide the fact that they're trying to give a smooth finish to their bourbon. Mm-hmm. They say it over and over in their in their tour. Yeah. You know, where everyone else, smooth is like a bad word. You're trying not to use that word, but... But with Maker's Mark, they don't care. They're yeah. not apologetic for it. Yeah, I, I think it's a good gateway bourbon. It is, and it, I, I still it's reasonably it. priced. It's yeah, you know, I still have a show. I have a bottle in my piano. Yeah. When, you, when you come over, we'll have to take it, pictures did you of just my say piano in your piano. Yeah. Um, right. Well, now, let me tell the fun- story. Is this a functional piano? No, unfortunately. Okay. So right. I'll tell you the story after this. So, but <laughs> I think it's a good gateway because it's reasonably priced. It's it's readily available, and it tastes quote good for a. For a entry level bourbon, Com- completely agree, and it's it's really easy to get somebody to buy it because you know it's not going to break the bank, and they've seen it a ton of places before, so it's not something that's un- not familiar to them, right? Uh, in some way, but going to the piano. So, <laughs> a buddy of mine in Texas, when he was in college at Baylor, he said he had a girlfriend and she had an upright piano, and she used to hide her good alcohol in the piano from all her friends so they wouldn't drink it, you know, because a funny. bunch of college kids are going to take your bottle of you know uh old scout uh smooth ambler and, and mix it with coke yeah or sprite or whatever and yep. just totally you know defile you know that beautiful bottle so she would hide all her good stuff in there and so my buddy got the idea of making a quote piano bar so he the first one he did he just went and bought a, a broke piano an upright piano took all the hammers and everything out of it uh put some uh some pl- uh, plastic down in it uh, put some lights from ikea in there and uh, kind of distressed a little bit, and boom, he had a quote piano bar now. Interesting. And then you uh, have to send me pictures yeah. so I can get uh, those oh, up sure. on the site. We got to come over and just we'll oh, do well, a show over too. there. Yeah, for sure. But uh, so the I I think I have like his third one, and the third one he put you know better lights on it, um, some better flooring, and put like some uh, that distressed tinsel all over it, so it looks like a patina. Yeah. And then um, he actually put uh, glass racks underneath where the where the keys are. So I can hang like uh, wine glasses or martini glasses, oh, cool. stuff like that. And then I took it a step further. I got some LED strip lights and kind of augmented the LED lights that he put in there. So huh. pretty cool. It's in, in like when you come in my house, it's, it's the first thing you see when you walk in the door. Is but does it look like a piano or does it look like a bar? No, it looks like it's a, it looks like a p- piano bar. Okay. I mean, re- really. That, that's, so it looks that's like a piano see. that's been retrofitted to yeah, become a bar. Yeah, to become a bar. Okay. Yeah. So you're not hiding what it is. Oh, absolutely it's not. It's not a secret speakeasy in your house no. where you lift up the <laughs> lid and there's all your bourbon and all your liquor. It would have been cool if he could have done that, <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of like for, like it for what it is. You know, it's, it's, it's a good conversation piece, a good place to store oh, all the alcohol. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. that's, that's a struggle at my house is I've... I've well, you have that nice display in the basement. Well, but I've got, uh, so I just counted up, and I've got three <laughs> places where I store my bourbon because my wife doesn't want the house to look like a freaking bourbon warehouse. So I've got a, I've got a small little bar thing up in the kitchen that has about seven or eight bottles. Uh-huh. Then I've got a- What, what goes in there? The stuff that I don't want to go down the stairs every night. Like if, cause I have it like daily. the daily stuff. Yeah. Okay. The daily stuff. Yeah. For the most part, I'll have one or two, like I'll keep a bottle of unopened Blantons up there just so, Hey, I've got some Blantons. 
Um, Look at me. I have plans. That's right. And then I'll have a Booker's up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mostly daily stuff or stuff that's just been open. You still got the benchmark up there? I don't. I don't keep that on display, actually. So that's one that goes underneath that. Really? So, so that when friends come over and they want to mix drinks, benchmark it is. Okay. So, but and, I do. I like benchmark. Yeah, for those good. of you that have not tried benchmark, it's probably the best bottle of screw top bourbon. Yeah. For the price. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's like an ancient, ancient age. It's like a, a granddad bottled in bond yeah. or something like that. It's cheap and it's you can get a handle for like $18. Yeah, and it comes from Buffalo Trace. So it, yep. I, I refer to it as bottom shelf buffalo. Yeah, bottom shelf buffalo. But it for what it is and what it, and it it's got good taste. Yeah. I, I don't think you can beat it for the price. Which is funny because Buffalo Trace to begin with is only $28 for a regular bottle mm-hmm. for a $750. And it's. When, when, in Ohio, the problem is trying to find it sometimes. Though. Well, it is, but it comes into Kroger probably twice. A, twice a month mm-hmm. so and they usually get two or three cases of it mm-hmm. so if you want buffalo trace like i've got six or seven bottles in my house right now mm-hmm. so it, it's something that's easily gettable but not readily available if that makes sense um but so the the funny thing for me is so i've got the three different places i've got a nice display area downstairs in mm-hmm. my downstairs bar area which is like a countertop basically uh, and then I've got a cabinet, which is like a locked cabinet. No, it's not locked, but it's it's like a kitchen cabinet over top of a countertop. It's very unassuming. Uh, very unassuming. And that's you where you keep the good stuff. It's, no, it's just where I keep all the duplicates for the most part. Some oh, good stuff's up okay. there. But it's got. Um, I, I think I counted the other day, and I've got like seventy-five or seventy-six bottles of bourbon. <laughs> a lot of duplicates, but still. And I've had a long-standing rule that I've just started to break, uh-huh. and that's why I've got a lot of duplicates, that I wouldn't drink a bottle of bourbon until, until I have a second. A backup, yeah. Um, I've started to some break things, that, though, that's, because, that's okay. Yeah, it's just tough to do that all the time because you've got so many things that you want to try out, and you might only get one bottle yeah. at, an allocated, you know, at an allocated release, and, and then you're not going to see it again for another six months or a year even maybe, and you may not... Ever get a Never see it again. Yeah. You know? So, so in that like case, that, you're uh, sitting there waiting. I can't remember what it was that, that bottled and bonded uh, that Brandon Martell bought for me, friend of the show from uh-huh. uh, from the Buckhorn podcast. Buckhorn, yeah, yeah, he he bought he bought that bottle for me for my retirement. And I think at the time, I can't think of it. Uh, was it McKenna or something like that? No. Or? But at the time, I think it was it was like nine dollars a bottle. Yeah. But that it was just a, a single run, and now that same bottle is like. You can find it on the secondary market for like three hundred bucks. I'm like, really? Uh, yeah, that's sitting on the <laughs> counter until Brandon comes over for dinner one yeah, day. Because right. yeah, I'm gonna enjoy that with him because that was a gift, and yeah, I, I want to share that gift with him now that it's become like a collector's item. Right. And it's like uh, Aaron, um, my partner here at the business, um, at the gym. He got gifted a bottle of ten year uh, Van Winkle. Okay. And he's like, I'm not going to drink it until I can drink it with the guy who gave it to me. And so we opened it up about a month ago and drank it uh, with him. Yeah. Not the whole thing, but we each had a a little pour out of it. It was really good. I was, and I've heard that once you get past the 10 and whatever the other 14 or 10, yeah, 12 or something like that, it depends. The the barrel just, uh, you know, the law of diminishing returns once you get past 10. But it just has too much of an impact on the flavor. Like it already has like a, and they always have percentages. I don't know how they measure this, but they say like the the barrel has like sixty to seventy percent of the flavor, mm. and then the rest of it comes from the mash bill. Mm-hmm. So, which if this is a twelve year bottle, right, the longer it sits in there, it's probably yeah. up to an eighty percent effect on the flavor. I would yeah. think, you know, something like that. But I don't know. And and the longer it sits in the barrel too, the less you end up with 
by the time you bought it. Volume, yeah, yeah because volume, you get that yeah. angel share. Right. Which every year is, what do they say, like 10% or something like that. Something like that. Like that. Something obscene. It's crazy. But then you still pay tax on the original production volume. Right. So, I mean, they're paying, and people don't understand why it's so expensive, but they're well, paying. Well, because if like 20% of it has evaporated over the course of 10 years, right. that's money. Well, and if you have 250 bottles out of a barrel, you know, for a regular bottle of bourbon, mm-hmm. Or a barrel of bourbon. And For then, like a two or three year. And then yeah. you have something like a, a Pappy or something where you're only getting maybe, you know, 75 bottles out of yeah. it, maybe. I don't, I, I'm guessing. I have no idea. But then, you know, obviously you're going to <laughs> yeah. have to charge more to make up for the production value and all the loss and the taxes and everything yeah. else that, that came along with it. But Do you only drink bourbon or... Um, or is that your mainstay? That's my mainstay now. Like 80-20? Yeah. So, like, I get made fun of on my beer scene because I... I'm a pissed beer drinker. I yeah. don't, I don't like IPAs and all that stuff. Uh-huh. And maybe now that my palate's expanded a little bit, maybe I should revisit. I, I wasn't an IPA fan until I started my other show, One More Podcast, with yeah. my buddy Brody, and he's a big IPA drinker. And because it's because of him, I've got an appreciation for IPAs now. I think that's what a lot of people say is that the more you drink it, the more you start to appreciate yeah. it. It's, I mean. I was never really a big beer drinker to begin with. I would yeah. drink Miller Lite, Bud Light because there Same was a picture here. of it at the table. Yep. But it's not something I would go and buy a sixer of. Well, for me, it's like at the end of a softball game. You're yeah. out in the middle of the summer. It's hot. It's hot. Or you've done something outside and you feel like, you know, having a drink, but you don't want to have something heavy. So yeah. you have like a Bud Light or a Summer Shandy or something like yeah. that. That's the stuff that I drink. American Piss Beer. Yeah. American Piss Beer. Um, but... You know, to be honest, uh, I used to do shots of like Patron, silver. I we would, all did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and through college and everything, I would do the mixers. I would do the Jack and Coke, Beam and Coke, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, well, we were learning. I mean. Yeah. We were just excited yeah, to be able to drink. Yeah. At, at 22 know? years old, like I would never appreciated like what you just poured no, for me. No, not even close. My yeah. taste buds have definitely changed. I mean, I eat vegetables now. <laughs> I mean, if that tells you anything, I mean, I don't know where that came from, but I couldn't, you couldn't get them near my face when yeah. I was a kid. You it was know? all meat and potatoes. Right. Yeah. Everything changed. So, but that's, that's definitely, um, for me. My main drink, yes, for sure. Now, I'll play softball and I'll drink beer afterwards mm-hmm. or at the end of a night when I've been having a couple of drinks, I'll maybe go to a beer just to keep it going a little bit but yeah. not, not get trashed or something, you yeah, know? Usually with beer for me, it depends on what time of year it is. Like this time yeah. of year, I'm drinking like, you know, either a lager or like a dark uh, stout of some sort. Yeah, I can see that. During the summertime, it's going to be like lighter light IPA yeah. types. Yeah, I won't drink light beer, but like the IPAs, the Shandies. <laughs> Uh, things like that. So you've you've matured and grown in your yeah, beer. It, yeah. When uh, <laughs> so the beer I buy now is like ten dollars for four. Yeah. Where I can buy like a, a rack <laughs> you know, of the Less stuff than, I used to drink when I was younger for I, that same price. I convince myself I will probably never get past piss beer. Like yeah. I when I drink beer, that's what I get. I yeah. just I don't know. I, and it's funny because in college, but, but you've actualized that though. So that, that that's a whole that's, that's have maturing. No People yeah. make fun of me, and it I just rolls off my back. I don't care. Yeah. But like I, it, what the funny thing is, is I've kind of regressed, if you will, on that because in college, I used to go out and and you there were these places that just kind of started up at the time, and this was before, you know, craft breweries and different places just kind of mm-hmm. were popping up everywhere. But you would go to a bar or a, a, a beer store, and they would let you pick out a six pack and fill it with whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. And so we used to do that all the time. We had a beer wall in college that was just humongous. And mm-hmm. every bottle on the beer wall was a different bottle. Mm-hmm. So you might have five Miller Lite bottles, but they were all a different bottle. Okay. 
Um, but for the most part, there weren't more than five or six of a single type. So, you know, like there might be a baseball shaped, baseball bat shaped, you know, bottle that, yeah. that came in or something like that. But, you know, other than that, it was, it, it was all for the most part, different brands. Mm-hmm. And so I was really into beer and then I don't know what happened. I just kind of regressed and, and then now it's just like light beers. That's all I like. Yeah. Yeah. You're for me, younger, you know, going through that phase, you know, drinking, uh, light beer after volleyball or whatever. But yeah. the first time I ever really had like a non, you know, piss beer and it's going to sound a little bit bizarre, but it was at my buddy's wake. Yeah. Uh, he died in a training accident when I was, I'm ex-military when I was stationed in Japan, Irish dude. And, uh, so I, that was my first Irish wake, my first Irish, you know, funeral, Catholic funeral and all that yeah. stuff. And, uh, I don't know how they got this much Guinness in Okinawa, Japan in the nineties that quickly. But uh, we went to where his unit was and like, you know, I, you know, at first I get dressed and I'm like, you know, I kind of have like a nice, you know, button down and some slacks and I come out in the hallway and all my buddies are in shorts and flip flops. I'm like, am I going to the same place as y'all? They're like, no, dude, just go get comfortable. Yeah. So we go over and um, we pull into the hangar and like all I hear is music and loud talking. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And then as soon as I walk in, like, hey, have a beer. And then people are handing me Guinnesses. And I remember like, I've always heard of Guinness, but I never knew what it was. Yeah. And I just remember tasting it. It was like, that's when, like, that's when I became a man. Yeah. <laughs> <when> I, <laughs> the lights turned on. Yeah, the lights turned on. I was like, wow, the there's actually flavor to this beer. Yeah. You know, I can taste the. the I always set. called really, Guinness uh, liquid bread. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's what it tastes like. You know, it's really, it just felt really like chocolatey and yeah. just filling. And I was like, man, these things are delicious. Yeah, I hear you, and I, and I appreciate the flavor. I just it's just when I want a beer, that's not what I want. Yeah, but know? again, you know, timing. You're like right now, I'd probably pound a Guinness. You yeah, know, nice no, and chilly I can see outside. That for sure. Yeah. But if it's 110 degrees outside, yeah, that's the last thing you want. <laughs> and and it just got done running or yeah. something. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not drinking that. have come to a nice point in the episode to take a quick break and mention our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Unicorn Nation Apparel, magical apparel for magical people. Check them out at www.unicornnationapparel.com. They make a lot of custom shirts for small groups, parties, teams, or whoever needs shirts. They can do screen printing and vinyl pressing for athletic wear or outerwear. Check them out today. So, so you mentioned your service. Yeah. You were uh, Air Force, right? Yep. So, and you just retired. How long were you? Uh, twenty six years. Twenty six years. Well, first off, thank you for your oh, service. Thank That's, you for uh, your support. I never uh, was in the military. Yeah. Uh, almost went to the Air Force Academy, but didn't do it. Um, it Different was, kind of life, man. Well, it was a football thing. Oh, yeah. for you got recruited as a football player? I did, and uh, dude, and I, I didn't know you had it like that. I did, and I so well, but I, you must have had the academics too, because the Air Force Academy yeah. doesn't seek out. I was top ten in my class, yeah. but it was 111 people. But still, um, day ten percent is ten percent, right, man. Damn it. <laughs> um, I mean, I had good grades. I had really good grades, and yeah. I did well on my testing and stuff like that. But I just, um, I, I knew that. If I was doing that, it was going to be a military decision mm-hmm. because I knew I wasn't good enough for, you know, to go for the next than, level. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know if I was good enough to be at that level. I I have no idea. But, but even for at that level, you know, whether you know for a combination of academics and athletics, like for you to get 
even a look by the Air Force Academy, yeah. dude. That's huge. It was it was pretty neat. I so we went out there. My oh, you actually did a visit, yeah, we dude. Went out you there you the, must have been a badass then, man. <laughs> well, the visit was not officially through recruiting. Okay, it was um, between my sophomore and junior year. We went and did a visit as a family just because it was there. Okay, and we had friends that lived in Colorado Springs, so we mm-hmm. went out and visited them. And um, I was offered to go out and visit, but. I had already seen the, you know, everything. Yeah. And um, no, but still getting that offer, that's huge, dude. Yeah, it was it was pretty neat. Yeah. It was pretty neat. It was the only D one offer I got. It was the only one. <laughs> but that's that's a very unique D one offer. To yeah. get an offer to, from a service academy, like you're you're that one percent, man. Well So good good on you for that. Yeah. I I look back on it every once in a while and wonder. Yeah. You know, but uh But your your life was different back then. It was yeah. completely. And I mean and, I, and, and explain that to an eighteen year old kid. Right. I can explain it to you now and, and sure. you can and you see the value in it. But if I would have told eighteen year old dude yeah. this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, like, yeah, but but they gotta wear uniforms and they gotta walk in lines see, that, and people are yelling at me. None of that stuff turned me away. Yeah. It okay. was just to me I was looking past it from the the aspect of if I'm gonna play college football do I really want to if I'm not going to go pro? Okay. And I knew that... Is it worth the the risk-benefits yeah, analysis? Okay. And I, I mean, in hindsight, I could have probably said it would have still been amazing to be part of a team and part of a bigger team, yeah. you know, being the, the Air Force itself. Um, but I, I was looking at it, I think, from the wrong direction at the time. Mm-hmm. Just it was all football-based and mm-hmm. not... Um, but that stuff didn't bother me. Like, being part of the military, I, that didn't scare me. Mm-hmm. Um I, I'm from that kind of old school where coaches yelled at you back then, yeah. you know, where parents yelled at you back then. Yeah. They weren't afraid to spank you. I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't abused, mm. but I was spanked. You yeah. know, if I didn't do what I was supposed Never to do. Never got an ass whooping you didn't earn. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I mean, that stuff didn't bother me, but, um, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. When you were in the Air Force, now, um, I've heard stories from other <laughs> podcasts about the ability to be able to get bourbon and alcohol and, and different things like that. Depending on where you're at? Yeah. Okay. So so what was your experience with that? Uh, let's see. Uh, my very first deployment was to Cuba. And that was a little bit different because uh, the mission there was um, humanitarian in nature. So there wasn't a restriction on alcohol and things like that. So okay. uh, that's where I first started drinking Corona. Um, and also had my first foray with tequila, yeah. which, you know, Quervo, cause you know, when you're a 19 year old or sorry, I was, I just turned 21, your 21 year old kid, you know, I was you know say hovering, it, hovering on the poverty line, <laughs> you know, and Quervo like, was gold, man. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, when you're barely old with. enough to drink and like, wow, Quervo, we're drinking yeah. Quervo. And then, you know, and just, uh, that, that was a really good assignment or a good, uh, deployment in the respect that getting to help people that were trying to better their lives quote um and me being a first generation american my both my parents immigrated to the united states uh, became naturalized citizens and both served in the air force as well which so i'm kind of you know i'm a legacy yeah and um that's cool so being able to help other people from another culture that wasn't related to me was kind of like a really cool experience to see what my parents potentially could have gone through. Yeah. And, um, and, and, but also reflecting back on it now, seeing that these people cared enough about trying to get a better life, but also do it the right way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I look on, look, look back on that and value it. Um, 
my next appointment, yeah, that was uh, that was in Saudi Arabia. Uh, still uh, not a lot of action going on. It was after Desert Storm and all kicked off, but so we were still like kind of in a maintenance phase, but no alcohol allowed because we're in a Muslim country and all that stuff. But so you're like respecting their respecting their cultural beliefs. Culture. Well. I'll rephrase the American military was respecting the cultural beliefs. Uh However, we had Brits, French, and I think we had Australians or two and French. Yeah. Brits, French and Aussies. They were all there. Their governments were like, nah, you guys are good. But I think the alcohol culture in those other countries are a lot different. Yeah. I lived in England and it was, um, there was Australians where I was living Mm -hmm. and there were Kiwis and people from actually all over Europe that were staying and it. Alcohol wasn't this thing that it is here. Yeah. It was just like having milk at dinner. I think because in those other cultures, alcohol is everywhere and it's out there. Well, and, and you can have it earlier too. And so because it, this... because there's, yeah, there's not that huge barrier. Yeah. And I guess there's a, a deglamorization. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, for sure. Because I think in England, you can drink beer when you're 16. I don't remember the ages. 16 or 18? Something like that. But not liquor. And I, th- But I think you could have wine at like 18 yeah. and then liquor at like 21 or so, or maybe even liquor at 21. I don't... But there's some sorry, sort of graduation 18, process. There is. Yeah. It, it is. Um, but it, you're right, though. It's not something that all of a sudden you turn 21, so you've got to now become... Or you go to college and no one's looking and mm-hmm. you've got to become this binge drinker just yeah. to have a good time because, oh my gosh... You know, it's almost to me. It's like the analogy of the Catholic school girls. You know? <laughs> they're under lock and key, and then as soon as they get out, they're like, yeah. yeah. You know, I've never experienced that, so mm-hmm. I don't know if if that's actually just a you know some stupid saying. But yeah, I, I kind of think never it ran is into those Catholic school girls. <laughs> n- neither did I. I certainly looked for them though. But uh, so going back to the piece for my parents, uh, both being in the military, I went actually went to high school in Japan on a military installation. So. Uh, up until a couple of years ago, I had lived, I've spent more years out of the country than actually in the United States. Wow. Um, and, say, and along with that, I've almost spent just as much time driving on the uh, left-hand long, side of the road side. as the right side of the road. <laughs> but uh, living in Japan, uh, there's kind of like a, a de-glamorization, desensitization of alcohol there too, because sure. alcohol is like readily available. But I think that might, and being half Japanese myself, I think, the reason why there's not an abusive uh, behavior towards it is because that respecting culture where uh, in Japan, you know, people always put other people first. You know, it's a culture of consideration. Yeah. And I think um, as a young child, you don't want to, you know, bring dishonor to your family. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, kids would drink, but it wasn't like they're out in the parking lots puking, you know, running around butt naked and stuff like that. But, uh, but also on the flip side of that, with uh, the Japanese business culture being so A-type, um, that these guys are so wound up that, you know, as soon as they get off of work, they go down to the bars and they sing karaoke and they just get blasted, yeah. you know, as adults. So I think it's kind of a, an inverse model where you don't start getting to those, uh, that Frank the Tank phase until like you're in your 30s yeah. <laughs> versus when you're 21. Right. No, I mean, but that's interesting though, because you, I mean, in some degree, they probably even see it as you've built up some credit, you know, uh-huh. where you can, you know, you build up some honor. It's yeah. a lot easier to build up honor, you know, without doing anything wrong than to do stuff wrong and then and try then, to build yeah. up honor. So yeah, I, and I think there's, some, I think you you hit that on the head there because being um, asked to go out for drinks with 
you know, your senpai, which is the higher ranking people uh-huh. within your within your cohort, you know, for the senior guy to ask you to go out for drinks, it's like you can't turn that down. You're calling your wife like, I'm sorry, I can't go to Johnny's baseball game because boss asked, said we have to go drink and drink and yeah. and do karaoke. And the wife understands that. Right. And but it's like that's a possible, uh, you know, upgrade in, in yeah. living conditions or, or downgrade, you, well, yeah, you know, if you don't if you yeah. don't fall through with it. So. Yeah, I think there's something to be said. That's a good point, dude. There's good insight on that. Oh, I, I talk out of both <laughs> sides of my mouth, man. You, I might say the same thing tomorrow and something completely different two days later. Who knows? It just struck me there, so I yeah. won't remember that. Um, <laughs> but it's on tape. It's on tape. Well, yeah, we're old. It's on tape. There's no tape anywhere in the Well, scotch tape, maybe. There we go. To hold down fabric. Some K-tape, maybe. But uh, cool. So So... But you didn't uh, have trouble if you wanted alcohol finding it. Well, for like me, uh, I'm one of those guys. Like I, I don't, I don't know any strangers. Yeah. Oh, I can. That's the first thing I thought about you. When I met you. <laughs> I mean, what have we truly known each other? Like I, we, don't, I wouldn't say we truly know each other, but we've been at least. We, we probably hung out. We, we probably hung out together solidly over the course of three years, maybe about forty-eight hours. Yeah, all together, <laughs> and it's probably four different times. Yeah, four out of we four or five a, different we had times. A time at Habaneros. Yeah, we've hung out at the uh, the pint, the half pint for the affiliate gathering, yeah. and then we've done little small things. Yeah, we've like this we've had dinner there. a couple of times, and then we've yeah. done uh, we've I was gonna say done missions together. Uh, we, <laughs> <laughs> we've done events together. <laughs> we've definitely you've stayed in my poop basement. That's, yes, that's true as well. The poop basement. <laughs> Gosh. So but, for those of you listening, uh, I let... Uh, I was thinking about this the other day, too. Oh, gosh. I let I was like, stay in my... Because I was like, I know I gave dude that bottle of Eagle Rare. I was like, but when did I give it to him? I was like, oh, yeah, the poop basement The day. poop basement, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I let Mo stay in my basement for the uh, Arnold Sports Classic yeah. a couple years ago. Last year, Last right? year, yeah. And it was... Uh, <laughs> There was a little bit of a sewage smell when we went down there, and I was thinking, well, maybe I just need to go through the house. Just flush, a flap. Yeah. Yeah, like flush some toilets just to get some of the yeah. sewage gas or out. Or your of the son lines. maybe just like destroyed the ba- Something. Ba- basement. Yeah. And so he gets up the next morning, goes to the Arnold, and I get a frantic frantic call from my wife yeah. at the end of that day saying our floors are soaking wet uh-huh. there is poop coming up from the <laughs> from the basement drain that, and apparently we had a pipe that burst between our house and the street line uh-huh and so then it caved in and everything, everything backed, backed up, up yeah. so it was just coming right back up into our house and like we had showered that day we had you know, obviously probably destroyed the toilet a couple times yeah. that day, flushed it a few times, run probably the dishwasher, and then we come home. Yeah, because you had an extra, extra human in your house that day because I was there. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, not just all the regular stuff we were doing too, and it yeah. had already started. It yeah. must have already started when you were there because yeah. we were smelling it. And um, so so we didn't, it was probably a three-month um, fix for our house. We... Uh, didn't get it fixed till the end of June, I don't think. Wow. It might have been... When this took place in March. And it took place first weekend in March. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we had to go through insurance. We had, And because we live in a condo, we had to go through the condo community to see if it was covered by them first. Mm-hmm. And then once we got all that squared away, it was pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had to get whole new carpet. We had to get new floorboards, new mm-hmm. uh, drywall. Yeah. Um, they came in with hazmat suits and cleaned up the because they call. I think I it don't was, mean to laugh. But no, I. I mean in hindsight, it's funny. <laughs> now that I can look back on it. Yeah. But uh, I think it was. I think they called it a level three contaminant. 
contamination or something wow. like that. Because it's it it, it, because it earned its, its own numerical designation. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, because it's biological well, fluids. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you know you don't know for sure what's mixed in with it. Yeah. It could be, be some herpes someone, and some corn. Oh, and it might some be bubble some gum. hepatitis yeah. from Frank down the street. You never <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was just crazy. That was that was nuts. I mean, absolutely nuts. But uh, you know what we haven't done yet? What? I don't think we've actually properly introduced you yet. Oh, uh, I'm dude. Right. We are without Tyler today. <laughs> and you go ahead, Mo. We can always do. We can always add this to the beginning. Yeah, I can. I can add that. But this would be a funny thing in the middle of it. <laughs> so I am Mo. Uh, and what is Mo Mo short for? Uh, Morris is Morris. my last name. So yeah, in the military, like no one ever knows like your full name. Everybody gets a handle, and it right. travels with you for a quarter of a century. Yeah. Yeah. That when sometimes someone sees my real name, they're like, who the hell is that? I'm like, oh, that's Mo. Oh, okay, cool. Well, it's funny you say that. I've been watching um, Jack Ryan. Yeah. And uh, season two, they go into Venezuela and uh, they recruit this guy who had former military to come back in and be one of their black ops guys mm-hmm. to help take them. And uh, he's like, hey, what's your call sign? And he's like, it's Black Mamba. And, uh, and he's a black guy. Yeah. And so he's like, and the guy's like, no, that's not it. And he's like, you drive us, right? And he's like, yeah, he's like, you're Uber. So, so the rest of the show, he's Uber. And uh, so he, it, you could tell it like pisses him off. And, and so like he does a couple of things and he's like, can you call me Black Mamba now? And they're no, like, no, no, no you're, Uber. you're Uber. Maybe Uber Deluxe, but you're still Uber. Um, so it was kind of a funny little uh, thing that's, you know, in that season, you know, which is a pretty serious show. But, yeah. But it's a, a little bit of a comedy relief in that. That's funny. It was funny. So, so that's cool. Um, so, yeah, we're coming up on the Arnold again. We've got to get together and yeah. um, start doing some planning, doing some interviews of the people or, well, get cool. the information. Yeah. Yeah. Get the, the press uh, press. Uh, papers ready and all that stuff for the, yeah. the media yeah the media pack so mo and i do a uh, web stream for the arnold for the crossfit portion of the arnold sports classic in yeah. columbus ohio which the arnold sports classic is the largest collection in the united states it's of, the largest collection in, in the, the world, world okay. of of sports Sporting, sporting activities yeah. at any one time. Yes, it's larger than the Olympics, even. Yes, um, and it takes place over the course of it's like four days, yeah, or four five days. days or something like that. Um, it's usually the first weekend in March. They've now uh, branched out to different continents as well. Yes, so I've seen the Asia Europe, and yeah. Africa, and uh, I think if you watched, was it the Africa one last year where uh, Arnold got drop kicked from behind? No, he's, I did not. He's see that. sitting there. Uh, uh, doing like a, I don't know, maybe an Instagram shot yeah. or something. And someone comes running up from behind and, and basically jumps off both of his feet with both feet into his back, karate chops him. And immediately like he, the fa- guy was a grease spot. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, well, it was crazy because like two seconds later, he's back up looking around like what, what the hell happened. Yeah. And then he's walking out on his own and he's got to be 70 years yeah. old now. I mean, if not more. So, I mean, he took a freaking flying back kick yeah, you know, he, and got up and walked away from it within minutes. Yeah, he, so. he took a selfie uh, in the middle of the competition floor yeah. last year. That was pretty cool. He does that every year. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Like two years ago, the first year you were there was the first year he hadn't stopped by our, our event. Yeah, and I was a little sad by that. Yeah. I was like, "What? You, you said he'd be here? Yeah. Well, and it's funny because every year he, he doesn't have any idea how CrossFit works. Mm-hmm. So every year he just walks right through the competition floor <laughs> as it's happening. Yeah. And one time, and it's, it's still one of the funniest memories I have of the entire thing, this guy's, the event at the time was... I think it was like a one rep max uh, clean. Uh-huh. Um, and it might have been a clean and jerk, but it was at least a clean. He, he, the guy fails it. Arnold's watching him. Yeah. There's like a minute left in the event. Yeah. Uh, in the whole heat. 
he fails at it and he and he's realizing he only has like 40 seconds to gather himself and try to get back get into it, yeah. the bar and try to attempt it again and so he goes back up to the bar and Arnold's like, no, 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 no. Let your body relax. You know, let your body recover. Let's, and the guy's sitting there looking at him like, what do what, I do? What the fuck do I I've do? I've got Arnold Schwarzenegger Do I tell the me, Terminator no? <laughs> right. <laughs> or do I do this for my team and try to get it? Or do I listen to the, to the freaking Terminator who's telling me to yeah. sit here and take a break? Yeah. So he sat there and waited, sat there and waited. <sighs> and then Arnold's like, okay, now go. Time's well past. Yeah. It's like 30 seconds it, past. And all the, the judges event. are kind of looking at each other like, uh, we gave it to him. Yeah. We gave it to him, but he ends up hitting it and the place goes <laughs> nuts. nuts. Yeah. And Arnold's like, yeah. And he high fives him. And so he's got, okay. I remember the pictures, whether yeah. it counted or not, uh, it doesn't he's matter got that yeah. to look back on. Like Arnold high five me after I made my one rep max clean. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a pretty was, cool. Was this when you guys were still in the, um, Coliseum? Oh, you know what it was. We okay. were at the Coliseum. Yeah. So, uh, that same year, uh, there were some people from my old gym, AKP, uh, her name's Heidi White, where it was oh, something where you it. had to like, like there was everybody, uh, all the part, everybody had to lift, but you had to build the bar as you were going or something like that. Yeah. And there's a picture of her pushing Arnold out of the way because he's too close to the plates. And she, she didn't she know, she didn't know was. who it was. Oh no. <laughs> but, but I guess when she pushed him, he was like, yeah, yeah. Like he was all about it. Yeah, but like, uh, get it done. And then later on, uh, someone was like, Heidi, do you know what you just did? And she was like, no, what? You just pushed Arnold Schwarzenegger. You Schwarzenegger. That's hilarious. That's crazy. That's a cool story, though. Like, those yeah. are stories that, like, it's awesome. Yeah, I met Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. but she can say, oh, I pushed Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, out of the, the way in the middle of a CrossFit yeah. competition. Yeah, or, or Arnold, you know, gave me a high five after I got a PR. Right. That's know. just crazy, though. I mean, I think that's just, that's a cool story. Yeah, for sure. So, have you finished up your first program? Yes, I have. This is probably a great place to stop for this week. Apparently, when you bring two friends together that haven't had a chance to talk for a while, it may not fit into one episode. That being said, please join us next week for the conclusion of this conversation with Mo. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram as The Bourbon Hunters, on our Facebook page, The Bourbon Hunters, our website, www.bourbonhunters.com, you can also find our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere podcasts are available. Please leave us an honest review whenever you get the chance. Also, check out our sponsor, Unicorn Nation Apparel. They make custom apparel with no minimums. www.unicornnationapparel.com